welcome to your mandatory wellness session. I'm your host, Anoop. And I'm your other host, Samir. Samir, how is it going? It is going pretty okay, I guess. I, I was very <laughs> tempted to say not bad, because that's what I always say, but I'm changing it up today. It's yeah, it's pretty, pretty okay. okay. Sometimes it's I not guess. bad, sometimes it's pretty okay. Those are the two emotions. <laughs> Those are the only two possibilities. I'm very... I'm a very four to six on that scale. <laughs> Zero to ten, I'm always four to six. <laughs> very even. On a scale out of, of one to ten, ten being the most joy you've ever felt. <laughs> Dude, I you know, we, we were talking before we started the podcast about uh, interviews because we've been you know interviewing some applicants. And uh, I, I forgot to mention, an applicant asked me recently, basically, like, are, um, are you guys like happy? Like, like, do you feel like you're happy? as a question which is a reasonable a totally reasonable question like basically like do you enjoy your residency which i was like yes it's i mean it's residency but like yes i do but i was very much reminded of a discussion we had around the time of interviews in fourth year where you were like i got asked like are you happy and my first mistake was i hesitated for way too long 100 percent, 100 percent. it's a it's a hard question to answer man are you happy I had a similar experience with with an interviewee just this week where an interviewee said, well, you all seem very normal and well-adjusted. And I was like, thank you? What a weird thing to say. Whenever people say that, I'm like, haha, it's working. You know, like I, I, <laughs> yes. I, I, I go for that bit, which is like, yeah. I mean, it's easy. but I you got know. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, well, the SSRIs really help. So right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That'll take the edge off. Yeah. The mandatory ECT we do is a-okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how is life outside of the hospital? Obviously, interview season is what it is. But... Yeah. Uh, life, uh, yeah, I think overall life is pretty reasonable. Last uh, last weekend I was on call, uh, but I actually had a little bit of, I mean, it was kind of an annoying call weekend, but I had a little bit of free time um, on, on one of the days and um, I went over to uh, one, one of my good friend's place. Um, she's a great cook. She was making bao. And uh, one, I'm very bad at making bow. Like I was trying to do, sure. like I was trying to put it, do it, and like she was doing it, and like it, I mean, I, I mean, obviously she's been doing this for years. Uh, but even still, I mean, I was like, oh, that seems like difficult but doable. And uh, I mean, I think I'm just incompetent. I could not do it. It was a small group. It was like probably like four or five people. And it was like uh, <laughs> another one of our friends was like, should I like go to you for surgery at some point? Like what? Are you, like what is wrong with your hands? And I'm like, okay, don't come on. <laughs> Samir, I'm going to say something you probably hear a lot, but you're going to need to work on your hands. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, this is just embarrassing. But the bow were delicious. They were very fucking good. And then we also, um, just as like a group, because they were like, oh, let's just, like randomly throw this on. We didn't finish it, but we um, started watching uh, The Happiest Season on Hulu. You may have seen a preview for this movie. It's like Kristen Stewart, uh, Mackenzie Davis. They are a lesbian couple. And like the premise of the movie, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a Hallmark Christmas movie, but it's like on Hulu. And uh, the premise of the movie is that they go home to Mackenzie Davis's family and um on like the way there you discover that uh she's actually not out to her family and you're like what <laughs> and then that's like hijinks and sue it was an okay movie i had heard pretty good things about it i think there are aspects of it that are a bit problematic not like in terms of being offensive but just like i feel like some of the characters kind of sucked and i wanted them to have more comeuppance and they didn't and it was annoying to me Oh, you were upset that bad people didn't get punished at the end. Yeah, like, I, I, I feel like the movie kind of seemed like it could have done a really good thing and been like, you know, despite everything, this is probably not great behavior. And then it sort of was like, happy ending. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, admittedly, I don't have a ton of firsthand experience with it, but I imagine it's very true to life that homophobes don't always get their comeuppance. 
I, I don't want to spoil anything in case, you know, you want to watch this movie. I had considered it. There was some entertainment value to it. Like, it's a reasonable movie to watch. But it, it it's not even, like, like homophobes not going to be their It's sort of, like, shitty behavior. It, yeah, it actually wasn't, like, a homo... It wasn't, like, homophobic shitty behavior. It was, like, oh. shitty... Yeah, yeah. It was, like, shitty behavior in other ways that I just wanted to be more, like, addressed. Like, it was addressed, but it, nothing... Ha- I don't know. It, it's hard to explain without giving it away, but suffice to say... I left the movie. I finished the movie, and I was like a little annoyed. Okay, so after this, we'll we'll take a you know thirty minute break, and then we'll record a spoiler cast. <laughs> yeah. of the yeah, I mean, everyone's been talking about it. And I don't. I don't. I don't want anyone to spoil this movie that's been out for like a month. <laughs> right. Oh, no, but, sorry. By the time it's <laughs> been published, like two months. Two, two months. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We are in the dregs of twenty twenty right now, but this episode should come out Lo- early. Lovely turn of phrase. Lovely turn yeah, of phrase. You know, I've uh, I, I've been re listening to all of Harry Potter for. Uh, reasons and <laughs> Trelawney Dregs. True. Yeah. No. Actually, I am in. Chi- I am in a prisoner right now. That makes sense, dude. Prisoner. I. You know. I don't want to say yet because I haven't gone to the other books. But I think it's gonna be. It's probably bumped up in in several ranks in my favorite books list. It's really well written. It's. It is the most competent twist in all of Harry Potter. The fact that. Well, I. I think actually the most competent twist was it. The part when it turned out the author was a transphobe the whole time. That I didn't see that coming. I'll be honest. Oh sure, sure. Where the author was the mobster the whole time. That was a bit of a twist. That part was very surprising to me. <laughs> yeah, that was a twist. I prefer not to think about J.K. <laughs> yeah, Rowling no, know, as much as possible. Yeah, I know. It's well. The, the nice thing I will say about a book as opposed to like a piece of media, like a movie or a show, where someone kind of sucks, is that the author is by definition like removed from it. Like they're not a character in the. You can. I think separate a bit like the art from the artist. Right, right. Unless the author is Stephen King, they usually don't insert themselves into their <laughs> right, work. Right. So I think that is kind of nice. And plus, I, I can do it relatively guiltlessly because I'm not... Like, I've already made the purchases, right? I'm not additionally being like, oh, let me go newly buy Harry Potter. Like, I, I'm there's, there's no part of me that's contributing to J.K. Rowling at this point. So that's fine. I I mean I can you know I, I I can I can say without without really I mean if I can if I reconsume the books that's fine. And once again I at, in terms of the art itself I think it's why a lot of people in our generation have been like very hurt by this because I feel like the books have a very tolerant message to them and it's like super not her vibe right now and that sucks because I think they were also like a very meaningful book for like everybody in like a ten year span. It was just like really important and it kind of just sucks, but. Is what it is. Yes, yes. The message of the book seems just very counter to her current vibe. So it is what it is. But uh, besides that, they're they're fun to read. And it definitely leaks into my conversation. Like just the sort of patterns of it all. I just finished a gigantic fantasy novel, Rhythm of War, Brandon Sanderson. Check it out if you're willing to waste probably 200 hours of your life to listen to all of them, but very good. Uh, And then I transitioned to Harry Potter and man, fantasy talk really changes the way you interact with other people. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. At least with Harry Potter, it's a little bit more on the side of like, slight british humor yes and not it's not actually that fantasy when when you get down to it the first half of like every harry potter book is like slice of life like school novel yeah yeah and there's so much recapping i did not notice this obviously because i've i'd only read them like a while ago but every book every time they introduce a character it's like 
oh, Neville Logbottom, and this, this, and this happened to him during his first two years oh, of wow, Hogwarts. Oh, wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of recapping. Because back then, the supposition was not that somebody would, like, be reading a series. It was like, oh, they'd just pick up a book and they'd read it. So they just kind of recap huh. what would happen. Oh, that's crazy yeah. to me. Like, the thought that someone would just, like, pick up. I mean, I guess people did it. But the thought of someone picking up a third book in a seven-book series and be like, I'll, I'll start here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those little things where I'm like, okay, you might be a sociopath. <laughs> like, there's something wrong with you. That's very weird. I, I want to be clear. If anyone does that intentionally, you're disturbed. Um, that's not okay. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, deeply it's wrong. It's the same vibe as when somebody is very proud that they don't read. I'm like, mm, there's something wrong with you. And I don't know what it is, but you're like... As someone who I had a period of time where I feel like I just wasn't reading for pleasure that much. I think probably because I was like, I was having to read for not pleasure. <laughs> um, and um, like I... But I was never proud of the fact that I wasn't reading that much. I was like, ah, I should read more. I get it. Like some people, the families you're raised in, like... It's not emphasized. And so, I, you know, I'm sure there's, there's an entire discussion to be had about this as well. But I do feel like the, being that proud of it is a little weird. Yeah, it's not the not reading that bothers me. I, I Like you said, there's a lot of reasons why you might not read from the way you grew up to your education to maybe it's just not a thing you enjoy, which is totally fine. It's the second you're like not reading is my personality where i'm like okay there's something wrong with you right yeah like i don't know why you're yeah yeah i agree admittedly i think for a lot of things when you define your personality by not doing something that tends to be sort of a pathological trait to yeah absorb. sure right. It, right it feels somewhat antagonistic as well i think sure sure it's like this thing that other people like to do i don't like to do and you're like oh, yeah all right <laughs> And I will fully admit I have been that guy before where it's like, sports. oh, you like Transformers movies? <laughs> Not so much sports. Sports, when I was very young and like high school and stuff, maybe I was a little bit more antagonistic towards sports. But at some point in time, I realized that it was just as arbitrary as the things I liked. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sports, it's fine. Basically, I'd be like a snob about it. The reason I mentioned sports, yeah. I think there is a thing within like, a subset of nerd culture like i'm somebody who i think i've been very much on the nerdy side of stuff but i've also been into sports from like a very young age like i have straddled both and so i've very much seen the other side where it's like this like oh like sports ball like team a and team b and you're like okay i guess you can kind of be like a douche about it but like people like things like if you don't want to be made fun of for liking like fantasy novels like don't make fun of people for liking sports like it's just kind of sh right. shitty both ways like it's just why are you doing that the thing that turned me around the most was just that people who like sports are just as nerdy about it as people who like other stuff. It's just a type of nerdy that has been like coded as like masculine and like majority culture. So it doesn't yeah. seem that, but it, it totally is, right? Like, oh, you like know the stats of this running back from 1999. Like what? That's a crazy thing to know. Yeah. And while I have no interest in sort of traditional heteronormativity and traditional masculinity, if you choose to engage with that in a non-malignant way, that's fine. If you love sports and cars, and that's the thing you love, and you're just genuine in that experience, I would be the asshole for telling you that you did you shouldn't like those things. I think it's very much a reaction to being like, well, you're going to make fun of my thing. Well, I, now that we have our own little subculture, we're going to make fun of your thing. But it's like, maybe we just don't make fun of things at all. How about we just start nice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about we just, like, allow people... How about... We just take joy in the fact that other people experience joy. It's such a miserable time in the world. <laughs> like, why can't we just like each other? I mean, this this is some wellness right here. 
I know. I'm pretty good you at know, it. You know, this feels early, it. but honestly, once I, I feel like we, we have done it for a couple weeks. I feel like we've actually stumbled into our topic, and I'm I'm willing to go for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so let me let me do the formal transition. Uh, speaking of things we do in our free time. So <laughs> yeah, <we're>, perfect. Uh, <laughs> let's get into our topic for the week. Yeah, so, so our topic for the week, I guess in some ways it will discuss things we do in our free time and hobbies, but I, I guess the way we'll couch it and the way we'll kind of um, approach it through the lens we've been doing recently, which is... Um, defense mechanisms, right? And so we've addressed several defense mechanisms. I think one that we haven't discussed is sublimation. And, and that is not to be confused uh, with the change of phase when you go from a solid to a gas. Yeah. That is. Oh, a, I'm sorry. We're not talking about that? Yeah, no, that's entirely, that's like a dry ice kind of CO2 sort of situation. That's not our oh, Okay, because Samir, like when I'm feeling, you know, just terrible mood and, you know, work's got me down, I'm really depressed. What I like to do is just, you know, come home, you know, take a nice shower, lay on the couch and then just turn into a gas. That's very reasonable. And that really relaxes me. So. Well, so that's interesting. It relaxes you. But on the other hand, your molecules have a lot more energy when you're a gas. You know, yeah. Entropy wise... It's not favorable, sure. but I, the way I think about it is like, you know, am I going to go, I don't know, yell at somebody because I'm upset or am I going to sort of expand to fill the <laughs> container that I'm in? <laughs> precisely, precisely. So I, 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 that's a, that is a very good point. I think while energy level is higher, perhaps the the way you apply your energy is different. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, yeah. That makes that makes sense for sure. The, the yes, the actual sublimation though you were saying right is it's more about taking those negative emotions and channeling them into some positive or constructive activity. Right. Uh, and this one's codified as sort of a mature defense mechanism. What's the immature version of it? I guess it's just acting on your negative emotions, right? Exactly. So the, I thought the classic example that was like in first aid was like, Oh, uh, like this person who has is gets kind of angry and has some like violent urges, like becomes like a boxer or like does boxing in their in their free time to like get out that those emotions in a controlled environment that isn't like beating up random people, which always felt like a little bit of a strange example. I don't know to me, like it, it felt. I mean, I, I guess it's just very literal. But you know, I, I guess the alternative is you just attack people, which is obviously bad. So I suppose this is sort of the the same sense of if you are in your you know your day to day, your work day, and you have particular impulses to maybe like more performative or. Um, wanting to kind of express creativity in a particular way then and maybe the general environment of work doesn't really allow that because there is some you know, there there's a rigidity to it then you're able to channel that into you know into your hobbies for example as, as opposed to kind of really trying to like completely change the trajectory of what you would do normally you know in a in, in a work day yeah so samir i guess i'll start it off are there any hobbies activities things that you do outside of work that you feel like are specifically oriented towards channeling your more negative emotions, things that you you know, like, if you have a really bad day, this is the thing I'm going to do to feel better. I hate to be the, the people on a podcast who just discuss their podcast on their podcast, but I mean, this feels like, I mean, like the law of the jam. Like, I mean, I don't, uh, yeah, right. I mean, this could not be, I mean, without a question, right? I think the podcast as very much acts that way, right? So I think, I feel like we have actually made a bit of an active effort to keep just like the like pure undistilled negativity from the podcast. And we try to, at least, uh, we try to angle it in a way that actually makes it have a purpose. But I think still fundamentally, right? I think there is a driving impulse behind this, which is that like residency is difficult and it does elicit 
uh, can or can elicit uh, negative emotions. And this provides very much an avenue to discuss it with like one of my best friends, but also like do so in a way that feels practical and to actually feel like I'm like doing something with them instead of just being like, I'm going to whine about this thing. And so I feel like that is super, um, that that's definitely important. I mean, I, not that I don't like whine about stuff. I, I definitely will um, to like co-residence and stuff, but I, I, I do think it actually, I think it does help to give a very clear outlet for those emotions that isn't just in the moment I have to complain about this because it's crazy. It's like, no, I have to complain about this, but also this informs a general thought about ways this could be better from like a systemic standpoint. I mean, I think that's a great answer. I, I would have to agree, of course. Uh, I definitely walk away from these podcasts just feeling better about life in general. And obviously part of that is spending time and having a good conversation with a friend. But the other part of it is taking those usually negative thoughts and putting them into a more constructive framework. And if I could abstract it a little bit, because obviously this podcast is specific to us, I think there is a lot of potential for conversation as sublimation, right? Residents love to complain about things. This is like a almost a universal truth, right? Every resident. People, people within medicine love to, sure. I mean, actually people in general in, in the world like to complain about things and uh, but I obviously what we see a lot is medicine, so we, we I think we can say people in medicine like to complain. Like this starts as like a med student through being an attending, like without a question. That's right. just part right, of right. it. It is like the Olympic sport of medicine. It's like complaining. Yeah, and and I think a part of that is the the fundamental clash between your level of competency and the work you are sometimes required to do. Right. In general, medical students, residents, attendings, all of them are highly competent individuals, and you are often put into situations that it is very easy to see why that situation is not going well, and yet you have exactly zero power to change that situation for yourself, whether that's in patient interactions or very often interactions with administrators you have a lot of situations where your level of competency feels far too high for the shit that you have to put up with. And the natural result of that is to be, you know, pretty pissed off and, and to want to complain about it. And and you alluded to it before, but getting into a conversation where you just rail on how bad a situation is will usually only make you more upset. And I, I don't think that's a particularly novel observation, but at the same time, it's a thing people do all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's not a novel observation, um, but even still, you saying it, I was like, oh, yeah, great point. <laughs> right. It's like a thing we all know, but a thing we rarely act on, which is just like, if you spend a lot of time complaining about things, you're, you're usually not going to feel worse. And, and I'll say, right, I mean, I think we, uh, once again, I, I, I very much want to be clear that I do think being able to complain, being able to just express those negative emotions is really important to making you not go crazy. And I think environments in which you're saying like, I, I think there's almost a, there's this like malignant positivity or like this toxic positivity vibe. I feel like it's a, it's a classic pendulum swing of like, oh, we have to be like, and like that is, that sucks. Like I need to have a space amongst people who are going to get it to be like, this is not always great. Like this does suck sometimes. But the flip side I do think is if you are constantly around people who are complaining and are saying like, oh, like, ah, like this sucks. Like I hate being here. It honestly is a, is a, is an app like... As the kids say, it is a vibe kill. Truly. It is truly a vibe. Like, really, I mean, I have been on teams like that where it is a constantly it is negative attitude and it makes me not want to, like, go to work. Not that I'm like, oh, man, I, like, love waking up and, like, doing all these things. But, like, 
it makes me like hate it because I'm just around that and it just seeps into my brain. And that is like not good for me as a person. I need to have like a baseline level. Like I think I'm a baseline relatively positive person, even though I'm cynical and having all this negativity around me, it just feeds into the cynicism. I teeter on a knife's edge, right? Like I, I'm positive at a baseline, but I definitely can get very negative and I need to be around other positive people so that I don't fall into that. And being around constant negativity is like bad for me and like for my mood. And I think it's the case for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is a statement that you will probably agree with. I am often only interested in negativity insofar as I can make a bit out of it. And the second it stops being funny and just starts being sad, I'm like, oh, wow. This, yeah, I guess life is a bummer. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and that's a really hard. Yeah, it's a hard vibe to be around. It's a hard thing to deal with on a constant basis. And if you can't find any positivity in it, it's really difficult to move on. I think that the toxic positivity thing is, is a really great way uh, of describing sort of the baseline. The problem with toxic positivity, as you said, is it, it fails to acknowledge that there is even a problem. Yes. But in turn, acknowledgement is really only step one. If all you do is say like, look at this problem, look at this problem, look at this problem, people are just going to get burnt out. Because they're like, yeah, I guess there's a hundred problems and life is misery. Right. Interesting you right. said a hundred problems and not uh, 99 problems. Uh, no, there is there is a, a single additional problem. Okay. Right. Um, and, but I've discussed it with her and we're, we're trying to work through <laughs> it. But, you know, it, it's, been, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. <laughs> Look, should I have called her a bitch? No. That that's pejorative language. That's not the way we should refer right. to I people. Mean, it's, that, yeah. I mean, we we can all agree. Yeah, without, without a question. Yeah, that was a moment of weakness, and I should have sublimated that impulse. Right In, into becoming a um, into becoming a famous rapper. Exactly, exactly. And luckily, Beyonce has been willing to forgive me. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's been a long process. It's been tough for sure. It's been very yeah. very tough. Uh, right, I would agree with all of that. Um, so I think I think very much so. I think the podcast. Has been great. And I, I know something we've joked about before. Obviously, COVID is terrible, just objectively, um, for lots of reasons. Like, number one, like, all these people dying. Not great. And uh, number two, just, like, what it's done to the world and, like, social interactions and mental health. All very bad. I will say, personally, one positive for me that has come out of it, I think because we had a little more time right around when really all the COVID restrictions were kicking in because we just weren't working as much uh, in that first month or so, we were able to start doing this podcast. Um, and now it has been around nine months since we first started, and it has been really, really great. It's been a it's been a really nice thing to have. So that's been that's been super positive. Yeah, yeah. It's it is one of the things that I look forward to the most uh, when it's coming up. And by most measures, this podcast is just additional work. Like it's you know the recording part of it's great fun and hanging out is great fun, but then then we have to sit down and edit it and make it sound nice. And stuff. Yeah, and like uh, I, and people have asked me this, like, how long does it normally take? I will estimate, at least for me, and I think probably similar for you, around three to four times the length of the podcast is about how long it takes to edit. Right, right. If you've ever felt like, wow, it sounds like they're in the same room, that there's a reason for that. Yeah, it like takes, you have to cut out pauses, like when we like kind of, like it, it actually, it, it like, there, there is effort that goes in, but I, I'm willing to do it because it is, it is an enjoyable thing to do, for sure. Right, right. Which, to, to again, abstract it, is, is kind of the core of sublimation because you are doing something that is, again, an activity. It, it is adding something to the plate to some extent. Uh, and the reason I like, uh, like this concept of conversation as sublimation is because in an already busy schedule that is residency, you know, you are already talking to your co-residents. You're already having these interactions. 
if you have a good relationship with, you know, a senior or a co-resident, uh, even a junior, you know, whoever you might have that good relationship with, trying to, for lack of a better term, restructure your conversational framework to make things follow that course of like, you know, you start with acknowledging the negativity and then you move towards ending with something positive. Uh I think you can see a very meaningful uptick in the positivity in your life without necessarily adding a new activity. In your case, Samir, has there, I mean, uh, the podcast being, I think, the most obvious example, but has there ever been an activity you picked up just for stress relief? The sort of the metaphorical boxing that we just used, but otherwise? That is a good question. I, I guess what's tricky about it, I feel like there are things that like you kind of just like do that end up being for stress relief, like playing video games. But I, I don't think I like picked that up. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't like an activity. I was like, oh, I should start playing. Like I, I just played them and then occasionally I will play them. And then that is stress relieving. Um, although sometimes not. If it's like a competitive video game. It's like, I feel like it's not because I'm kind of like stressed. Like it's plus or minus on that, but it's like different stress. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure if that counts. Oh, actually, here's one. I, I was going to say it isn't like this, but actually it is like this. Another thing kind of COVID related, I, by virtue of things like bars, restaurants not being open, not being able to like hang out with people as much, I have been going for like more walks outside. It's a thing I started doing actually at the end of fourth year of med school. You know, it was a nice time of year. I actually started listening to audiobooks. Actually, another thing I started doing, I think, for stress relief as well. Uh, I mean, one, because I wanted to like read again and I like my attention span for like reading, as I mentioned before, is like poor right now. And so uh, audiobooks are a really good solution for that. And then like listening to an audiobook, going for a walk is like amazing. It's just a really, it's just great. You're like outside, someone's just like telling you a story in your ear <laughs> and then you can just walk around and enjoy the out outside world. And I think actually because of COVID not being able to do normal, normal activities, I've been doing more of that. Um, right, right around where I live is a really nice park. I'll go for like walks there and I just enjoy the outdoors. Um, I'm, I've never been like a super outdoorsy person. I'm not like a, oh, I go like hiking on weekends. Like I've definitely gone on some hikes with friends and they're like fun, but it's not like a thing I do by default. And um, so that's been good. That's, that's, that's actually really enjoyable to do. And I think definitely is a stress relief um, for me. Um, I definitely will accidentally fall into this pattern of, especially on research where I'm not going to the hospital every day, um, where I'll realize I haven't left my apartment in like two days. It just kind of happens sometimes. And I'm like, I should do that. And then I feel better afterward. So, you know. I mean, I think that's a great, option uh depending on where you live in the time of year i guess being that it's now in january there's a large part of the country that that is not a valid option to go outside and just experience nature spoiler i guess i'm i'm, I'm not in the northeast anymore which is where i'm originally from but man that's crazy that i didn't even like think to qualify that considering i lived yeah, there for man. like my entire life <laughs> i gotta tell you southern california has its distinct benefits yeah i'll tell you that much <laughs> but yeah, there, there's there's certain activity, and, and that can be really hard when your stress relief option is just not available to you, which I think a lot of people are going through now of course. in the time of, of COVID, you know, particularly myself, just as a person who, say, enjoys trying a nice, good restaurant, I've, I've divested myself of a lot of coping mechanisms. I'm also in the process of being on sort of the healthy eating kick that I talked about on the last podcast. I've divested myself of a lot of negative coping mechanisms as well. So good, yeah. Yeah, you take the good, you take the bad. Right. You know, it's funny that you mention audiobooks. It, this is like a, an example of one of the first times I sublimated in a weird way uh, that I think people who know me might know me as a person who listens to a ton of podcasts and audiobooks. Uh, 
and there was a point in time where I chose to start that this back in uh, in undergrad as I was doing basic lab research. There's a reason I don't do research now, which is that I find it intensely boring. And I was learning that during undergrad. <laughs> I, look, I, I, I'm sure some people find pipetting very zen. I do not. That's, I yeah, find it very dull. It takes all types to make the world go around. And particularly those types, because basic science is, like, a fundamental underpinning to, like, our society, despite what, like, many people seem to think, which is strange. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no matter how many people question the validity of things like the scientific method. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, I mean, without that, we would, like, all be dead. So it's like, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't for me. And so at the time, that's when I first picked up podcasting. I would listen to podcasts at work while I was just cranking through this stuff, and in retrospect, that might have been considered unprofessional, but no. it was a lab gig and I was doing a lot. I don't think so, though. I, I think that's actually very common. I have several friends who work in labs, work in basic science. One of uh, one of my best friends, who you, who you actually met, is working in a lab and she will listen to our podcast sometimes when she is like there late at night, like doing like just kind of working through a protocol. And yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's a part of basic science, which is like the idea formulation and thinking through your like there's a part that is very intellectual and like, damn, you're like you're very smart. And there's a part of it which is just, like, I have to, like, do these tasks. And it is somewhat brainless, and, like, both things exist. And so, like, totally, I think, I mean, the same way, like, chopping something for cooking is, I will listen to a podcast, but in the moment when I have to, like, add, like, four different things in, like, a two-minute period, I'm not listening to a podcast while doing that. Like, that's the that's the part that, like, requires a lot of, like, concentration and timing. So, yeah, I think totally. I, I think uh, listening to it while pipetting or doing whatever on the lab, I think it's totally reasonable. I, I think that's very common, actually. And the thing that I like a lot about podcasts and audiobooks as an activity, as opposed to, say, television, uh, which I think is is not sublimation, is that podcasts and audiobooks can, depending on what you're consuming, have like a genuinely positive impact on your life. Like you can really, you can learn something, you could have a good laugh, you could, in the case of me listening to a lot of fantasy, it's like, you know, experiencing these massive stories brings a lot of joy to my life. Whereas it's so interesting, like I could watch a whole fantasy TV show and it doesn't really have the same impact as listening to a fantasy audiobook. So I think what I'll say is I I get what you're saying. I'm not sure I would say it as definitively because I think particularly the era we live in now, I think there is a lot of, I think I would say TV in particular that I think is... I feel like advanced is not the right term, but like has a lot of uh, depth to it. Sure. That does make you like think a lot. I've yeah, definitely, yeah. you know, so I, that's I, I, like actually a good example of this. Re- so I, I recently watched uh, uh, The Queen's Gambit. Great show on Netflix. Would highly recommend. It's like a seven episode miniseries about this orphan who like uh, learns to play chess and she's like a chess prodigy and like it kind of it's like about her life. Fantastic show. Very engrossing. And it definitely, like, made me think a lot and also kind of got me back into chess, which I think is not an uncommon thing to happen after you've watched this show. Like, I used to play chess a bit in elementary school and middle school, and now I've been watching a bunch of, like, chess YouTube and, like, kind of learning things and, like, started playing chess again online. And it's very fun. It's a very fun thing to do. It's kind of Look, this is all propaganda by Big Chess. <laughs> it's classic. You're a classic rube, Samir. You've fallen for it. Anoop, would you say that I'm a pawn? I, yeah, I would say that. <laughs> Except if I did, I'd be playing into their game. That's a very good point. Which is, of course, chess. <laughs> right, that is the game we are discussing. <laughs> yeah, no, to, to your credit, there are certain shows that are much more enriching in that way. So 
I can't write off the activity in its entirety. There are a lot of things you can do in your free time to sort of enrich your life and to channel the more negative emotions that come up a lot during yeah. residency. I think certainly, you know, going back to some of our greatest hits of previous podcasts, I think a lot of people find exercise to be that thing. Mm -hmm. I have actually taken several boxing classes in my time. I'm not a boxer by any means, but I'll give them credit. It does really burn through some some shit. You know, mm -hmm. if you have some closeted negativity, it'll come out and you'll be like, oh, wow, I guess uh, I guess I needed to do that a little bit. Maybe I just needed to hit something. <laughs> There's something very interesting. Right? It's like deeply primal about like at the end of the day, we're kind of animals. Like, we're just, like... Sure. Like, sometimes we want to just, like, attack shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it can be a little good to just get that get that vibe out. Yeah. You know, get that energy out. And you'll walk away feeling a little bit happier. And I think a lot of people feel that with any type of exercise. Uh, you know, weightlifting, cardio, whatever it is. Just that kind of running out the emotional energy that you've been storing up and, and letting it leave you. However, there's also the aspect of sort of creative pursuits. You know, we talked about cooking, we talked about making this podcast that I think a lot of people in residency don't try to pursue because it is so much of a thing. Like we talked about, we, we have to edit this podcast, right? That is a thing. Yes. You know, we could just meet up and talk for two hours every two weeks and just be friends. So what do you think is what goes into that? creation process that framework does do you think that's intrinsic to the process i think it's very funny the way you said that and i was immediately like that would be absurd yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> the concept is insane <laughs> i do think so i think it's something we've, we i think we've discussed before probably off air which is to say that i think both of us have very um i think intrinsic to our personalities we have like creative tendencies i had previously done stand-up i done improv um in college and med school um i think those were very much an outlet for that I have definitely um, like done some writing in the past, like like creative writing. Um, not so much recently, but definitely something I have done before, and it it feels like it, it is a natural outlet. Um, and so I do think that creativity aspect is I think that's intrinsic for most people. Frankly, I think people have at least some spark of that in them. How much it is, how much they cultivate that, I think is going to vary, of course. But I do think the process uh, of recording this, of editing it, of creating something that we're putting out into the world, and like as we joke, our our listenership is not anything insane like we're not we're not like a gimlet podcast like we're that's you know that's just and we won't be and that's fine but having something that we're putting out into the world as a thing like we have created this feels intrinsically meaningful beyond the specifics of what we've actually done itself and that i think is what is the motivating factor right at the end of the day it's really for us right like i, I think if at any point this is not fun we wouldn't do it it's like we're not we're not like beholden to any like particular you know, um, to, to, to any reason to do this, right? Other than just for us. Except, of course, our advertising. Right. We have, and of which we have numerous. <laughs> yes, just an absolute... We've actually been paid to do sort of underground advertising. So go throughout the episode and see if you can tell uh, what we've been paid to sponsor. Right. <laughs> Turns out it's all media related things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you were talking about Queen's Gambit? Right, yeah. No, I... So I... I think that is really key to it. I, I think the fact that we, I think we both of us derive enjoyment from the feeling of we are putting this, we're creating this thing, we're creating this sort of product, and we are putting it out there to be consumed by other people. And that in and of itself is meaningful. And then you add on top of that, the fact that what we're doing is like discussing stuff that allows us to sort of express these, you know, negative emotions or complicated emotions. Um, it's kind of like a two in one. But I think the actual act of making the podcast in and of itself is meaningful. 
it is difficult because I think doing things that are creative that require this extra effort is difficult when you are tired, when you are expending a lot of mental energy in your day to day. Uh, a mental and like emotional energy. There is a, as I've, I've said before, and I will definitely say again, residency is tiring in some unique ways. And it's not just like the hours or anything like that. I do think the the type of things we are experiencing and often for like the first time or, or, or like the, you know, it's like early in our career to experience these things has an additional emotional burden and exhaustion that comes with it. And I do totally think that that makes it hard. Like there, as we've discussed, there are definitely times when we have planned to record a podcast and both of us in the morning are like, oh, God. <laughs> and like, not that we don't want to talk to each other, but like, it just feels like a lot to do. Like I right, could just keep right. lying in bed. Like that is easier. <laughs> that is objectively easier to do. And then we do this and it's really fun. And I'm really, I, I'm always like, I, I've never left this and been like, I wish I hadn't done that. I always leave it. I'm like, I'm very glad we did it. But sometimes it's hard. It, it really is because yeah. it, it's, you're tired and it, it's difficult to do anything. Um, let alone something that you know is going to kind of create more work for yourself, even if that's work you want to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. The, I guess there's a few points in there that I, I wanted to touch on, which one is like you talked a lot about how this podcast is very personal to the two of us. And it definitely appeals to things that we find valuable, that desire to create something to present and the desire to sort of entertain. And even if it's not a ton of people, it feels fulfilling to do that thing. And... and I think that's a, the core, one of the core principles behind finding some good activity for, for emotional outlet is finding a thing that appeals to you on a more primordial level. Yes, yes. I mean, boxing was the obvious example, right? Where it's like, I have some amount of aggression. Let's not talk about it like violence, ten, violent tendencies. Because you are probably, a per, you and I, certainly me, I'll, I'll just speak to the boxing example i do not have violent tendencies yeah I'm, I, I'm like non-confrontational to a fault <laughs> i'm just yes. really but even i found something emotionally cathartic in boxing because it applied to something deeper than just the activity itself it was not just like oh i want to hit things and now i've hit things and i feel better it gets down deeper than that and it's the same with the podcast it's not i want to make a podcast therefore i make a podcast and i feel better it's that I want to create a thing. I have a creative impulse and I want to do something that I present to other people. Two impulses that combine together to make the podcast a, a very good option to me. And it requires a little bit of insight and kind of sitting down and thinking about like, what do you actually enjoy to discover that activity for yourself? And once you have discovered that activity, as you said, Samir, it can be so hard to muster the energy to do anything after a day of work or after a week of work on your one day off, you know, do you want to sit down and record a podcast? I'll tell you, this is going to be roughly two to three hours of my only day off this week, right? So why am I doing this? Uh, and part of it is that having this there makes the rest of the time so much more valuable to me and so much more productive because I know that this is a thing that I'm doing. Uh, this is a, this is a personality trait that I've noticed in the past as well, is that when I have a thing to look forward to, it is so much easier to do the work that I have to do. Yeah, it's easier to do things like going to the grocery store, doing laundry, all that stuff that I could easily spend a whole day procrastinating and not doing suddenly becomes like, oh, well, I better get this out of the way because I got the podcast later. So I got to do all of that. And it provides a much needed framework to my free time, which normally I don't have. 
And if your framework is normally provided by things like, oh, well, I got to write this paper, I got to write this case study, I got to study. Those are all important things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do them, but they might not spark joy in the way that having a, a, a robust hobby or having something you really care about does. And they might not provide that impetus to actually get up and do things. And then, you know, as I'm sure you can attest to this, Samir, you'll find yourself feeling bad about not doing those things and not doing the little life things. And you haven't done any of your hobbies. And now you've just done nothing all day. I, I'm very unfamiliar with that. That doesn't sound like anything <laughs> I've experienced recently a lot. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So it's like having those little things, even though technically it is not productive to what I have decided to do for my life. It is productive to me as a person. Yes. Uh, writing is a great example. Like I, I've recently gotten into creative writing and knowing that I am going to that I had like a really good idea that I'm going to get down onto paper just helps me get through the day. It helps me the, the drive home suddenly seems purposeful. The, you know, getting all my meal prep done so I can sit down and write feels much more meaningful Whereas the other version of that event is like I drive home and I'm dreading doing all this work and then I get home and I sit on the couch and I say, ah, I'm going to watch a YouTube video before I do the work. And then it's 10 o'clock and I'm like, oh, I'll wake up early tomorrow. And there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that's going to be a story that's very familiar to people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I, I think inevitably, I think this podcast, very, not surprising, has been a lot of us discussing the particular things we enjoy, what has you know, I guess given our life meaning uh, to sort of put a, a finer point on it and, and the things that we kind of use to sublimate our negative emotions to sublimate our complicated emotions and just the way we feel about our day-to-day -day. so I guess to broaden this right to, to, to broaden the scope what we've been saying is things like creative outlets can be really valuable and I think that is true for a lot of people but probably isn't true for everybody I guess broadly from a residency standpoint from a more systemic standpoint what are things that can be done beyond just like encouraging people to do their hobbies to sort of foster this, you know, among residents or in, in a residency? Can anything be done? You know, Samir, that's a really good question. And, and I think the difficulty with it of making it a systemic thing is that, like we just said, it's a very personal thing to discover the activity that relieves stress in you, uh, to discover that thing. And the things that we often quote as disingenuous are when the program suggests that you pick up a new activity, right? It's like the yoga example being the classic, right? Why do you think that that will... It's because those people who love toxic positivity, there's a high proportion of them who love fucking yoga, okay? <laughs> I don't know what it is about like your cheery, sunny disposition that also makes you particularly limber, but fuck <laughs> off, okay? Like, I don't care. You, you happy pretzel, leave me alone, <laughs> like, I think we found the title. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Right under the wire. There. Um, but it is not as simple as suggesting an activity. It is engaging with the concept of self-reflection. And it's also engaging with who you used to be before all of this. Oddly enough, if I could tie it back to something that we were talking about, at the very beginning of the podcast, interview season, you know, this is a fundamental part of every interview. It's yeah. like, talk about your hobbies, talk about what you do in your free time. And then we we get into this career where we slowly but surely whittle away all of the things that you used to do in your free time. And maybe it is as simple as picking one of those things 
and making an active effort to do it again, if only to see if it enriches your life. If your hobby before medicine was something as simple as I play pickup basketball with my friends every week. Probably not feasible to play pickup basketball with your friends every week, but to do it every month, you know, you don't have to do the same thing. Do it a different way. Maybe you, you, you get together a group with people in residency and yeah, you can't do it as often, but maybe it's just as beneficial. Little things like that. I used to bake, bake something, you know, just try it. Try to do it again. I, if you used to bake designer cakes and you feel now like, oh, well, I can't do that anymore. It's like, yeah, maybe you can't do it the same way you used to, but there's gotta be some version of it that you can do to, to make it a personal example uh, creative writing. I mean, I've been working on this project probably as long as we've been recording this podcast and it's super short and it's not like representative of the amount of time that I've worked on it, but that's not something that I need to feel bad about though. Sometimes I still do. It's it's just like, yeah, this is an activity that I do purely for my own enjoyment. And if it amounts to nothing, that doesn't matter because that's not, it already amounted to something merely by occurring. And so how do you encourage that on a program level? It's to, to acknowledge as a program director or as intending to acknowledge that people are doing stuff outside of the hospital beyond just study. To try to engage with your residents as people and see what they're doing outside of studying might just be enough to remind them that they can be doing stuff outside of studying and sleeping, right? To encourage that environment. This is the thing that I think diagnostic radiology does pretty well. Certainly, I've felt that way at my program where, you know, we talk about our lives outside of residency. And the supposition is that you should be doing something besides just working all the time. And and creating a space in which that is a a normal behavior to not just be working all the time is something a program director or attending or anybody in charge senior resident can can do to make people feel like this is more of an environment that supports that yeah as you were talking i think one thing i i thought of which i think is important and i think you naturally do it because you ask people like oh how was your weekend what did you do etc i think as an attending and this i'm saying this this feels a little artificial but i think it doesn't necessarily have to be which is just sort of modeling that to an extent, I, I think of one. I can't think of the attending now, but one specific example. So I, I, I did stand up in undergrad. I did a little bit of med school and a residency. I hadn't really done it much, and obviously now with COVID, I haven't done it particularly recently. But uh, sh- shortly before COVID, and a couple months before it, I had for the first time in like several years done stand up again. It was really fun, uh, super enjoyable. I was really happy to be back on stage. And part of the reason it happened, I've been saying I was like thinking about doing it for a while. I think it came up with an attending in the OR, and they were just like, "Oh, you should like definitely do that again, like that." Like, I meant just like being a person, frankly, but like they like said it and I was like, yeah, I I should do that again. You say that, but like the bar of being a person is often too high for some people in medicine. So don't don't say it like it's like a some trivial activity. That is easily a thing that attending could not have done. They could have just been like, oh, moved on. And they said it, and I, was, you know, I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, you know, I should, I should. It's like not that hard to do. I've kind of looked into it. Like, I should just commit to it, pick a day, and like do it. Again, and I did. And so whether I can directly tie it back to that one person saying that, I'm not sure, but I think it probably had some impact. And so I think kind of modeling that, you know, as an attending, discussing the things that you enjoy doing, like I think about it in the OR, right? There's always, you, there's a lot of different conversation happens in the OR. It's just like the OR is a very like, we're doing this physical task and we'll kind of casually discuss something as long as nothing emergent is happening in the case right now. And uh, a lot of conversation happens. And I think, yeah, discussing stuff like hobbies, asking about your residents' lives, 
sometimes that can be like, I know as a resident, someone asks like, oh, what'd you do this weekend? I was like, I don't know, like nothing. And you're like, oh God, yeah. I'm, I'm a garbage person. But I, I think actually asking about it and trying to delve into it a little bit in terms of like what your day to day, what your free time is. I think when I've had those conversations, it actually has made me think about the fact that I could be doing a bit more that not in like, oh, I want to accomplish things, but more just like, I want to like have something concrete that I like enjoyed, if that makes sense. I don't know. It's, I agree with you. I, I, I think it is hard. It is a hard thing to encourage because it is very personal. And obviously it's really different, right? Like for somebody who maybe had hobbies before med school, then they have a kid and like, you might want to do your hobbies, but maybe for them, like their biggest source of joy is just like spending time with their child. So that's like not, I mean, it's like a hobby, but like, that's right. That's totally right. valid. And so I, I think it is super personal and it's definitely not one size fits all even a little bit. But I think the general idea of encouraging people to live their lives outside of residency, modeling that behavior as a more senior person, as a faculty member, as a, as a senior resident, I think can all be very encouraging to making people do that themselves. Well, Samir, I don't know about you, but uh, I feel great. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we really, we fixed it. <laughs> I, I do wonder how this one's going to listen. Is it just going to just be like the two podcast hosts discussing how much they love their podcast? Because if so, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I think, I think we abstracted it enough. <laughs> but you know what? You guys can send us an email if we were a little too self-gratuitous right. there. That's, that's a very excellent point. You can email us at mandatorywellnesssession at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at mwspodcast. We are on iTunes along with many other podcasting apps. And our website is linked on our various social media. And as always, our theme song has been Nothing Slash Anything by Westy Reflector. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Let's